Welcome to the Community Fellowship Podcast, your way to stay connected with biblically-themed messages, discussions, and interviews from Community Fellowship in East Bernard, Texas. Learn more about our church at the cfeb.church website, check us out on social media at CF East Bernard, or attend an in-person service at 635 Main Street in East Bernard. We are a local church that works to make the love of Christ for all humanity known to our community and the world. Thanks for tuning in and enjoy this week's content. Well, good morning, church. How you guys doing? Doing good? Good. I'm so excited to be with you guys this morning. Um, I'm really excited about today's message. I'm going to be honest, um, just as I've been praying over it and just what I feel like the Lord's saying through it, it's just, I'm excited about it. We're actually winding down a series that we started at the beginning of January on the Lord's Prayer. We're, we've got this week and we got next week, all right? So if you've been hanging in there for all this time, thank you so much. But I just, again, I think it's so important for us to go line by line through Jesus's prayer and this model prayer for us. If, you, if you've missed a week and you want to go back, then you can go do that on our website. Just go to cfeb.church. Under the resources tab, you'll see messages, and it should be right there as the series. And I really highly recommend that you do that if you've missed any of these, because it's important that we see what Jesus is doing through this prayer. Jesus is very uh, methodical in the way that he teaches us to pray, and I think it's super important. So make sure that you go back and do that. Well, we're going to be all over the board again today uh, in our passages, but we're going to start with the one that we've been working through, right, in Matthew chapter 6. So if you have your Bible, you can turn there, Matthew chapter 6, or if you've already got it memorized, you're like, I got it now, Pastor James. You don't got to worry about me, all right? Then you can say it with us together. Let's start reading in verse 9. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. All right, so, so far in Jesus' prayer, he has clarified our relationship with him as children and he as our father. But us understanding that, Jesus also helps us to recognize that even though God is our Father, He also is distinct and different than us. He's altogether separate, and the word that we used is also the word hallowed, but it means to be holy, to be set apart. He's distinct, so He's, he's not like us, right? He's not like anything, truthfully, in all of creation. Even though we as human beings are created in the image of God, He is still distinct and separate from us. And then we've also seen how Jesus is the king and he invites us into kingdom work. When we say, let your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven, Jesus is inviting us as king into the kingdom work that he wants to do through us. And then last week, we looked at how God takes care of our needs on a daily basis, not our wants, but our needs. And part of that, we said, is this need that each of us has to actually fulfill the will of God. There's something that God puts in us when we become Christians, 
that God wants for us to do. And we have a daily need to make sure that we fulfill his will for us in that day. And I just got a question for you. Did anybody kind of this week when you were praying, did you kind of sense that? Was there a time where you're like, okay, God, I'm going to make sure that I pray this. Pastor James talked about it. What do you want for me to do today? Anybody feel that this week? Here's what I know that probably did happen is because I heard several stories of how God was using you this week. It was incredible to be able to hear those stories. I love whenever you get to hear how God is using the church to be the church. Um, and so that was really, really, really exciting for me to be able to see. Well, now we're going to look at the next line of Jesus's prayer, all right? And he says this, he says, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Um, so just a quick story. I told Tim I was going to tell this story. Sorry, Tim, if you don't know Tim Gertzen back there. Uh, so this week on Wednesday, Tim and I were kind of sitting over here in Glory Bean, and um, he had, I think he had grabbed a coffee, and I grabbed a coffee and sat down. We were just kind of chit-chatting and talking and catching up a little bit. And Lindy actually called while we were sitting down talking. And she asked if he would bring home a breakfast taco. And so he looks behind the counter, Sabal's behind the counter, and he says, hey, Sabal, can you go ahead and make me a breakfast taco to go? And so she says, absolutely, right? So we keep on talking. Sabal so brings the breakfast taco over. We're continuing to chat, right? Not thinking anything of it. He and I, after a little while, we're like, hey, I gotta go to work. Yeah, me too, kind of thing. Get up, we leave, right? Now, next day, Thursday, I'm sitting there already with my coffee, doing a little bit of reading in, 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 the, in the coffee shop. In comes Tim. He orders a, a muffin and some coffee, right? Uh, and Margaret behind the counter, she says, do you also wanna pay for your breakfast taco from yesterday? And Tim's like, looks over at me like, whoops, kind of thing, you know? And, and then she goes, also, you have a tab of 1450 He goes, I have a tab? You know, Tim didn't know that he owed a debt, right? He didn't realize that. And so many of us in this room, truthfully, we don't recognize that as well. We have incurred a debt that we didn't even know that we did. And today, we're going to look at what that debt is that we owe to God and what has been done about it for us. So let's dive into this verse together, all right? Now, like I mentioned earlier, you might remember that last week um, we said that we are asking God for our daily bread, but it wasn't just the physical, okay? It was also the spiritual sustenance that we need. Although that is certainly uh, part of it, this, this, this physical thing, this is a spiritual thing that we also have to recognize that we need daily. We're asking him to do what he wants here. And so the question is, what responsibility, what job, who am I called to minister to? And it's that prayer that fulfills us. Well, it's on top of that that we go into this verse, okay? You might see that that first word there is actually the, the preposition and. Do you see that? It's connected with the previous line that we talked about last week. He's, he, Jesus is purposefully linking those two things together. He, he's essentially saying that as we're asking for God to daily provide for both our spiritual and our physical needs, we too are going to daily need to seek forgiveness. Because daily, we are going to miss what he wants for us to do. We're going to miss the mark. We're not going to always 
get his will right when we ask. Even as we pray, even as we're trying to be observant to the Holy Spirit, we're going to miss it sometimes. So we're going to daily have to come before him and say, I missed it. You know, I haven't, uh, I've, been, I've been all over the place when it comes to churches. I really have. I've served in every kind of church that you can imagine. But one of my absolute favorite experiences was in the Episcopal Church. This, you know, we call that Diet Catholic. It's kind of around our house. We call it the Diet Catholic Church. Um, especially growing up in the Baptist Church, there were so many things that I had never experienced before. Like I had never, like this is, this is what I grew up with, right? Where the pulpit's in the middle, right? But in the Episcopal Church, the table, the table is in the middle. And I had never experienced that before. So it was kind of incredible. And I had never gone through the seasons of the Christian year. I have never been a part of liturgy before. I had never truthfully even experienced Advent before because of growing up in my, you know, Baptist church. And so it was so amazing to get, kind of go through all these experiences. But one of my favorite things that absolutely came out of that is this thing called the Book of Common Prayer. And basically what it is, is it's a, it's a prayer book that can help you in your daily prayers. There, there's a prayer written out for every day so that it can help guide you in your daily prayers. And a lot of it is repeated, okay? You're going to say a lot of the same things all the time. But what I found so comforting is sometimes you don't have the words to say in prayer, Right? You're trying to grasp at what you, what you mean and what you're trying to say. And there is a, specifically this prayer for forgiveness that I find myself so often when I'm on my knees in prayer that I find myself finding comfort in and speaking. And I want to read it to you because it's, it's just an incredible, incredible um, prayer. Here's what it says. Just listen to the words. Most merciful God, we confess that we've sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and what we have left undone. We've not been an obedient church. We've not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We're truly sorry and we humbly repent. For the sake of your son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen. That's it. That's the type of confession, repentance, and forgiveness that each of us needs. That's daily what we're supposed to do. Because I miss it. I miss loving God with all of my heart, soul, mind, and strength. I miss sometimes loving my neighbor as myself. And did you catch that one part? I love this one part. By what I have done and what I have left undone. That's going to be super important when we get to the word debt in a minute for us to be able to understand what that is saying. But this word forgive, let's start there. This word has several ideas that can be conveyed in it in the New Testament, right? Let me read a couple of them. It could mean to send away, let go of, release, permit, or permit to depart, okay? But how Jesus is using that word here, how he's using this word forgiveness here is absolutely, and there's no way you can doubt about it, that he is pleading for God to cancel or release what is owed to him. So we come before God and for asking for forgiveness. We are saying, God, release me from what I owe to you because I can't fulfill it. I can't do it. And the truth is, we all need our sin canceled. Every single one of us in here needs our, cancel, needs our sin canceled and released, which leads us to the next word, Okay. In the New International Version, which we have been reading, along with several other different versions, they translate this word for sin as debt. 
It says debt and debtors, right? And the reason they do this is because there are five different words in the Greek for sin. Truthfully, the most common word is harmashia, okay? That's the most common word for sin, but Jesus doesn't use that word here. He uses the word aphileme, which literally means failure to pay what that which is due. A failure to pay that which is due. Well, what? What is it that we are due to God? Truthfully, it's twofold, but it comes from the Old Testament, the idea that we are supposed to live up to this righteous standard and requirement that is given to us through God's perfect law set apart in the Old Testament. We are supposed to live up to that standard, but like we said earlier, none of us, none of us love God with all of our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength, and all of us miss loving our, our neighbor as ourselves. But that is what the law requires of us, that we would fulfill those things. Jesus boiled it down to those two. 613 laws from the Old Testament, he boils down into the two. Love God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. But none of us, none of us can do that. Paul tells us this in Romans 6. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. None of us has been able to reach that standard. Now, maybe you're sitting there thinking, and you're like, well, James, I'm, I'm a pretty good guy. I'm, I'm, I'm a pretty good guy. Okay, let's just do a little test, okay? We're just going to look at the Big Ten, right? Exodus 20, Ten Commandments. Let's just start with number one, and we'll kind of work our way through, all right? So here we go, here we go. Number one, you shall have no other gods before me. You're sitting there, okay, see, I'm good. I worship one God, the God. I worship him. I want to quote something from an author named Louis Giglio to you. Just listen to what he says. This is in his book, The Air I Breathe. Everybody has an altar, and every altar has a throne. So how do you know where and what you worship? It's easy. You simply follow the trail of your time, your affection, your energy, your money, and your loyalty. At the end of that trail, you'll find a throne. And whatever or whomever is on that throne is what's of highest value to you. That was number one, y'all. Number one. We didn't even get through that, and all of us have to step back and go, wait a second. Wait a second. I think I missed the mark, because truthfully, some of us, if we're really honest, we put sports on that throne. Some of us, if we're honest, we put our job. Or maybe it's a relationship, or I know I've been guilty of this. Sometimes it's my children. We have put that on the throne on which only God belongs. We miss the standard. We don't meet the standard. You can't, I can't. We're going to fall. We're going to mess up. We are indebted. We owe God what he is due, and that is to be the God of our lives. Now, Please hear me, because some of us, we, we needed to hear that part, right? But some of you, some of you, you actually have recognized that. You recognize your sin. You, you, you know that you've missed the mark, and you're, you're wallowing in it. 
You, you, you feel so guilty and so condemned that it's actually harming your relationship with God and with others. Because you need to hear this. Please hear me say this. You are forgiven. If you bring it before the Lord and ask him for forgiveness, you are forgiven. Stop holding on to that sin. Stop letting it disqualify you from what God wants to do through you, how God wants to move in you, how God wants to minister to others through you. God seriously is kind of on the sidelines if that's you, and he's going, we took care of that. It's done. You're forgiven. I have forgiven you. You have to let go of it because I already have. That's what the Lord's telling you. Now, as important as it is to continually seek God's forgiveness, it's just important that we recognize the next words of what Jesus says. He says, as we forgive our debtors. As we forgive our debtors. So if you're keeping up with our daily reading plan that you can find anytime if you want to, you can go online under resources, you can find that reading plan. Then you might have read this week this incredibly powerful statement that Jesus makes in John chapter 20. He says this to the disciples, receive the Holy Spirit. And then he says this, if you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. So here's the thing. God has given us the power through his Holy Spirit to bring forgiveness into others' lives. The first way that we can primarily do that is by telling them the gospel, preaching to them the good news that Jesus died in their place to forgive their sins. And that's all of our responsibility. That's not just me as your pastor. That's all of our responsibility. We are kingdom representatives bearing the most incredible news that there is. That even though you owe God, he sent his son to take on that debt that you owed. And that now we are forgiven. As followers of Jesus, that's our job to share that. But there's a second part to this idea as well. We've also been given the power to forgive those who hurt us. Those who've sinned against us personally. Eric Fitzgerald was preparing to be a dad again, preparing to be a father again. When he, one October morning in 2006, got some horrific news. Um, his wife and unborn child had been struck by a firefighter who had been on call for 24 hours and was on his way home but fell asleep at the wheel. Both his wife and his unborn child were killed instantly. His 19-month-old daughter, which was also in the car, she survived. Now, at that time, Eric, who was a youth pastor, had a decision to make. Was he going to actually forgive the way that he knew he was supposed to forgive, the way that he had preached thousands of times before that he was supposed to forgive? Or was he going to push for the maximum sentence on this young man? Thankfully, he chose to forgive. And weeks after the forgiveness happened, and, and, and this, this guy named Matt who had done this, um, they met each other at a local restaurant. 
And they began this conversation. The conversation turned into a friendship, the friendship that still survives to this day. Now, you and I, we hear that. We hear Eric's story, how he lost his wife, he lost his child. And, and, and truthfully, many of, us, many of us, we probably won't understand that. We will never understand the pain that he had to walk through in losing his wife and losing his child. And he could have easily taken out his anger on Matt, could have easily pushed for the maximum sentence, or he could have done the thing that we always do. He could have started playing the games in his mind, right? Well, you know what? He probably was drunk. Or he was so irresponsible. Why didn't he take a nap so that he wouldn't have been so tired? He could have just justified in his mind why this was so evil, why this man was so evil. But he didn't do that. He chose to forgive. Why? Why would he choose to forgive? Because that's what understanding the grace and forgiveness of Christ does. When we understand what Christ has done for us, that is who we're going to be. Because we can't in one breath say, God, forgive me, and then hold forgiveness out when somebody else hurts us. We just can't do that. As one commentator says it, if we open our hands to receive God's gracious pardon, we cannot keep our fists tightly clenched against those who've wronged us. Now, I've heard pastors say that this passage is saying that God won't forgive you unless you forgive others. That's not right. It's not what Jesus is saying. That's not what Jesus is saying. But here's what he is saying. If you truly understand the forgiveness of God and how he has forgiven you, how in the world can you hold forgiveness back from someone else that has hurt you? How? How can you do that if you truly understand? We, we've said this before, but I love this statement. Those who believe the gospel become the gospel. Those who believe the gospel become the gospel. We become people of forgiveness, people of love, people of compassion, people of understanding, because we understand what has been done for us. We will do it for others. That's exactly the truth. Now, that, that story is powerful. Eric's story is absolutely powerful. There's no doubt. No doubt. It's one that I know that many of us pray that we never have to experience. We pray that we never have to make that kind of decision. I don't pray that for you. I don't hope that for you. I don't hope that for myself. But here's the thing. Matt was actually a pretty decent guy. He was. He wasn't an alcoholic. He was an EMT who had served 24 hours trying to help other people. He was a good guy. In fact, Matt was a Christian. He was a good guy. You know what's even more powerful than forgiving someone who's good? Forgiving someone who isn't. Listen to what Paul says in Romans 5. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. See, God chooses not to just forgive those who have missed the mark. He sends his son to die for them. 
in their place. This is the message of the gospel. This is the entirety of the Bible. We sinned. We owed God. But God didn't hold it against us. He sent his son to pay the debt for us. So now we live with the proclamation that we are debt-free. We do not owe God because of what Jesus has done for us. This morning, I pray that if you, as you've listened, the Holy Spirit has been spurring your heart. It may be that you've never fully understood the idea that Jesus has taken your place and paid the debt that you owed. Today, would you ask him for that forgiveness and let Jesus be your king? Or maybe, maybe you have been letting it get between your relationship. You've been holding on to this unforgiveness that you feel from God, and you've been letting that get in your relationship with him and with others. But you've been holding on to it, not God. Ask him for forgiveness and, and know that it too was taken care of on the cross. That finally, maybe you're in this room and you've been holding on to a debt that someone else owes you because they hurt you. Can I ask you, what do you believe about your own sin? Has it been forgiven by God through Jesus Christ? Because if it has and you understand that and you recognize that truth, then it's time to forgive the person that hurt you. This morning, as we pray, whichever those that you are, would you go to the Lord with it? In just a minute, we're going to respond by taking communion. I'm going to pray and I'm going to invite you. There's the elements that are right here, kind of in the corners in these bowls. Come and get them at your own pace, at your own timing. If you need to sit there for a minute and talk to the Lord about forgiveness, then do that. But I want to invite you to respond by the message of the gospel in the bread and in the cup. Let's pray this morning. Father God, we recognize that you have forgiven us. Some of us in this room, maybe for the first time, we recognize that you've forgiven us. Would you help us to be real with you right now and to tell you that? Would you help us to make you king because there's no one better to follow than you? Some of us, we've been holding on to the sin even though you've spoken forgiveness over us. God, would you help us to let it go and know that you forgive us? And finally, Father, some of us in this room have been hurt by someone else and we've been holding that. But this morning, you're showing us, you're telling us that if you can forgive our sin, how can we hold someone else's sin against them? God, would you help us to forgive? Thank you for your forgiveness, Father, that we find in what Jesus has done for us. As we take communion here in the next few minutes, remind us of his body broken. Remind us of his blood poured out for our forgiveness. We pray this in his name. Amen. If you have questions about this week's message or would like to start a conversation with someone about what it means to walk with Christ, 
please email pastor at cfeb.church. You can find earlier episodes of our podcast on our website at cfeb.church, where you can also give online to help support community fellowship in our mission to reflect and share Christ's love. We can also be found on many major distribution platforms like Apple Podcasts, where you can subscribe to stay connected. Thank you again for listening. Now go out and love one another like Jesus did.